0: This podcast is brain-powered by the University of Sydney.
1: We are controlling transmission. Sleek Geeks, Dr. Carl and Adam Spencer. Adam Spencer with you and Dr. Carl Kruselnitski is here as well. It's our Sleek Geeks podcast. Today's podcast, Carl, brought to you by the number 13.
0: Oh, it's a prime number.
1: I'll tell you why, but I love this. Yeah, I love 13. 13 equals 11 plus 2. Yep. Equals... (gasps) equals 12 plus 1. Yeah, out. But if you write out the words 11 plus 2 and 12 plus 1... Oh, come on. Those two phrases are anagrams of each other. What? You can, you can rearrange the letters of 11 plus 2. You can rearrange the 11 and the 2 into 12 and 1. This is a magical fusion of numbers and words. Isn't that gorgeous? What could be better in the human ma- mind and the brain? Thank you very much, number 13. Just one of the facts from my big book of numbers, available at adamspencer.com.au. Don't forget the .au. Carl, antioxidants. I love them. That's do- why I look so strong, so fit, so just broodingly sexual. What am I I taking when I take antioxidants?
0: You're taking something that builds up a $23 billion a year industry in snake oil. Snake oil? Yeah, the, the old theory was that there are these things called oxidants, which obviously must be bad because they told us, and therefore buy oxidants off us, and because we're selling them to you, they must be good. And it turns out... They're telling us little porky pies.
1: Buy antioxidants off us.
0: Yeah. So so they're saying oxidants are bad, we'll sell you antioxidants and you'll be a better, stronger, broodingly sexual man.
1: Okay, so start. What do people claim are oxidants. Um, you
0: get oxygen in, your each cell burns up oxygen and creates these so-called oxidants, or ROS, reactive oxidative species, which cause stress upon, upon the cell. And it was therefore thought that you should fight these off via antioxidants. And so so, so were, let me stop you there. Yeah. Is,
1: is it true that ROSs exist and are created and do damage your cells?
0: ROS, reactive oxidative species, do exist. And I won't use the word damage. They put a stress mm-hmm. upon your cell. And we'll come back to that in a little while.
1: Okay. So up, to, up until there, we've got accepted hardcore yeah, peer-reviewed yeah. science. Yeah, yeah. What are antioxidants meant to be and what are they claimed to do?
0: Oh, vitamin A and vitamin E. And they will mop up these apparently evil ROSs and therefore make you better.
1: And now, in theory, that, that makes if, if that was to happen, that sounds like it would make sense. These things oh, are placing yeah. stress on my cells. If I can go through with a big sponge and just suck them all up and get them out of here, good for my cells because they're not being stressed anymore. That's
0: right. And so they did an experiment with people who, a large number of people good sample size, who had lung cancer as a result of smoking. And so knowing what degree of lung cancer they had, how long would it take to develop, they could pretty well work out on a large average that they would live, I'll pick a number, 36 months. Mm-hmm. And so they said, oh, you poor buggers. Let's try and make your life better. Let's feed you some food which is rich in antioxidants, you know, vitamin A and vitamin E. And sure enough, they put these people on enhanced antioxidant food Mm diets, and instead of lasting only 36 months, they lasted 48 months. Mm. Well, obviously, antioxidants are good. So then they said, well, if a little is good, more is better. Let's give you antioxidants in tablet form instead of lasting 36 months before or 48, 24. Oh, really? They died sooner. They died sooner than if they had not taken the antioxidants at all. What was the theory as to what was happening? Well, then it gets complicated. It turns out that doing exercise is a stress, but it's not a bad stress because what it does by producing your own native oxidants is force your body to make its own native antioxidants. Believe it or not... You make your own antioxidants, which will do all sorts of things like making your muscles grow bigger and you sleep better and even, weirdly, fight air pollution. So making your own native antioxidants is good. When you take in antioxidants from food, moderate amounts, all sorts of other chemicals, we've had a long evolutionary history with that food. It's not bad for you, it's good. Take it in a bottle. It tells your body, hey... Here's an absolute, I'm going to use a rude word because I can, shitload, of uh, antioxidants so the body stops making its own. Okay, a little diversion. You have the guys who go into the gym and they're going to ta- they want to get big and so they take, I've, t- I've tried the steroids, that's not enough, I'm going to take testosterone. Mm-hmm. They take testosterone and they get bigger And their testicles shrink because they're already making testosterone. And so the testicles say, well, it's already there. I'm not going to make any more. And they stop producing their own testosterone Uh and sperm. And so the guys who do this, before they go on to taking the testosterone, they know it's going to happen and they get some sperm frozen for later.
1: And in the same way you're saying when an external influx of antioxidants gives my body the signal of you've got lots of antioxidants, you don't need to make any of your own... That's not good for me because those natural antioxidants are going to be doing good things in my muscles and cells. Terrific summary. By taking large quantities of purified
0: antioxidants, you ramp down the production of your own natural antioxidants and it's bad for you. You cannot put nature in a pill. I sound like a hippie or your grandmother, don't I?
1: Quick question. When it comes more generally to pills, vitamins and multivitamins and supplements and things like that, in the vast bulk of cases of people taking them, are those things doing that person Any noticeable good? Overwhelmingly, it seems that they actually do
0: a small amount of bad. There was a big fight back in the 70s when the American FDA, Food and Drug Administration, was trying to limit the amount of vitamins that you could sell as a drug company to a consumer to only two or three or four times what they would normally eat in a day, getting that from their own diet. Mm -hmm. And a guy called William Proxmere, who was deeply anti-science, who had the Golden Fleece Award, who would laugh at scientists because of what seemed to be funny, he brought in regulations that allowed 10 or 100 times more vitamins than you could normally eat in a day. So you could uh, eat maybe four apples, but you can get the vitamins in 400 apples from mm-hmm. a pill. And so, and, and more and more the research is showing that it's leading to bad stuff. I'm sorry.
1: Thank you very much, Dr. Carl there on Antioxidants. You're on the Sleek Geek Podcast. It's time for... What's up? Twitter time. Yeah! Come on! I love that. Some Twitter questions. Cam has asked us a question uh, on behalf of 11-year-old Amelie Rule. Amelie Mm. asks, uh, there was a big storm on the other day and she asked, Cam, can you have thunder without lightning? What is thunder, Carl, and can you have thunder without lightning? Um, Thunder is the sound of a shockwave.
0: A sonic boom, where the lightning bolt forces its way through the air molecules at faster than the speed of sound in air, which is about a thousand kilometers per hour roughly. So the, the lightning bolt going down can move at 150 kilometers per second. Wow. That's a lot faster than a thousand kilometers an hour. So it pushes the air molecules out of the way so fast you get a shock wave formed, and that is the sound of thunder. Can you have thunder without lightning? No. Can you have thunder without lightning? Visible lightning, yes, because on average, there's a 100 lightning bolts every second over the whole planet, mostly around the tropics, and of that lightning, 90% happens inside the clouds. Ah. Only 10% comes to the ground, down to the ground, so you might not see it. It still happens. It's happening from one part of the cloud to the other, so you don't see it,
1: but it's still happening. Is it true we only recently learned with our high-speed photography also that lightning doesn't always come from the cloud to the ground, lightning can go from the earth back to the cloud?
0: Yes, and you don't see it. So you've got a small bolt of lightning coming down, stuttering its way down to the ground, trying to find the low resistance pathway, moving down at 150 kilometres a second. Once it gets close enough, the return bolt goes up much bigger, much brighter, and you don't see it. Why? Because it's moving not at 150 kilometres a second, 150 Thousand kilometers a second. It is gone before you can register it. Only super high speed cameras can see the super bright but invisible return bolt.
1: Great, great answer question. Uh, great answer, Dr. Carl, great question. Emily, here's a second Twitter question for you, Carl. Hey sleek geeks, asks Richie Kay. He's gone to at Sleek Geeks and sent us this question. Given that we prune neurons in our mid-teens, what can be done. To retain these food, exercise, obscure cognitive exercises, question mark. So let's go through this bit by bit. Do we lose neurons in our mid-teens? We lose neurons. um, Okay. One transistor
0: in your computer talks to another transistor. Yes. One to one, one to one. In your brain, it's one to 10,000. Wow. And we are pruning those connections as well as pruning some of the neurons. And it turns out that autistic people, and that's a whole spectrum from just ever so mild all the way to having difficulties in relating to other people, the more you are along that spectrum of having difficulties in communicating, the less the pruning you've done. You've got too many connections. Suddenly, the fact that you're talking to me and saying, Carl a rock is flying out of the sky and we'll all be wiped out unless we leave immediately, is as important as the colour pattern on your shirt. And everything flooding in has equal importance. Ah. I can't prune away to get to the important stuff in this particular instance. On the other hand, being able to absorb everything gives them greater skills, such as diagnosing computer program problems.
1: We also learned, didn't we, that, that when it comes to most people think of our brain as something that is, you know, fully formed by our, say, let's say, teenagers, and we keep learning things, but we've got our brain. Isn't it the case that the brain itself hasn't fully developed until the early, even in the case of boys growing into men, close to mid-twenties? Early twenties, mid-twenties.
0: And the way you can track this, to some degree, is by how late they're prepared to party. And when my son was saying, oh, I don't feel like going out and partying till three o'clock, I thought, ha ha, you're like me, you wuss. You don't have that youthful vigor to be able to stay up because of the melatonin production in your brain that begins at puberty and then lasts till 2021, 22, 23, where in evolutionary times in the past, you could stay up. From sunset to sunrise and fight off the tigers, why I, the boring middle aged parent, could sleep. You are now one of us, one of us, one of us. So, with pruning of the brain, the more, as the actress said to the bishop, the more you use it, you don't lose it. The more you use a brain, the better you get.
1: you that actress and bishop had some interesting conversations, didn't they? You were Dr. Carl and Adam Spencer on the Sleep Geeks podcast. Carl, let's, let's finish off this week's podcast by paying honour uh, to those, those great thinkers, those brave thinkers, the winners of the Ig Nobel Prizes. You won one a few years ago for determining why belly button fluff is blue. People can look it up online or go to your website for details. Mm. But what about, did you read about the recent uh, Nobel Prize, Ig Nobel Prize, uh, for what happens in the brains of people who see the face of Jesus in a piece of toast?
0: Ah the, a wonderful wonderful paper called Seeing Jesus in Toast colon neural and behavioral correlates of face now I'm betting you would know this word paradolia
1: I've heard you say that before, pareidolia, yes.
0: It means recognising faces when they're probably not there. P A R
1: E I D O L I A. Everyone's looked up at the clouds before and gone, wow, that looks like a puppy dog. Oh, that looks like, that looks like a man smiling. And why do we have that? Because we are
0: hopeless. Okay. My, my, see my fingernails? Yes. Pathetic claws. I couldn't rip your guts out. My nope. teeth? I couldn't rip out your arm like a dog can. Nope. I can't run very fast. My vision is not as good as anything. What you and I have is our brain mm-hmm. that we can form into groups and we can say, okay, Adam, you go over there and you make noise and push the, ca- and I'll make noise here and we'll push the kangaroos over the cliff with noise. And then later when they're dead, we'll go and eat them. And we can do that because we're a group and I can recognize your face. It is wired into my brain both top-down and bottom-up, that I am wired to recognize faces on other people so I can say, hi, that's Adam, and I can then recognize faces of other people. And even it spills over that it's so strongly wired into me that we stay together as strong as a group. So I'll see Jesus in toast. And so from the top-down, there's an area called the facial fusiform area, Mm -hmm. and from the bottom-up, it's the sort of the visual cortices. And finally, in this paper, they have mapped... Where pareidolia happens. And then further down the line, they might even be able to help people like me who can't recognise faces anywhere.
1: <laughs> there, very, very uh, illuminating stuff, Carl. I recognise your face and it makes me very happy. Thanks for being with us this week. Podcasters, send your Twitter questions to at Sleek Geeks and we'll be back next week. See you then. cakes